Welcome to the Miko Pellet webinar series. Um, I'm Jamil and I'll be introducing today's event. I'll also be facilitating the Q&A afterwards. And we are rounding out the rest of the year with some really excellent events and um, very insightful panelists. So please stay tuned. There is more coming <laughs> this year. We're sort of on a roll with these webinars this month. Um, but today's event, um, something that came together very, very quickly um, is, is titled Facing Imprisonment, a conversation with uh, Isa Amro. Um, for those who are not familiar, Isa is an internationally renowned human rights defender who is based in Hebron or Al-Khalil. Um, he has been leading nonviolent resistance and civil disobedience campaigns um, against Israel during this time. And, and Isa is really best known for calling attention to and resisting um, settler communities in Hebron who, who on very regularly torment Palestinians and, and are able to do so with, with total impunity. Um, Isa is also the co-founder and former coordinator of the grassroots group Youth Against Settlements. In 2010, he was declared Human Rights Defender of the Year in Palestine by the Office of the United Nations High Commission for Human Rights. Recently, Isa has been singled out and targeted by, um, by Israel for... Um, and, and I think they they have something, and Asa will get into this, you know, uh, fabricating basically 18, you know, legal charges against him in, in what is a, a blatant campaign to disrupt his human rights work. There's a military judge in Israel who's presiding over these charges. Um, this judge himself is a, is a settler and has very strong ties to Hebron's settler community. So, um, you know, any day now, Asa's uh, fate uh, might be decided by a court, um, you know, a court that we know uh, convicts Palestinians at an astonishingly high rate. Um, but organizations such as Amnesty International, um, Frontline Defenders, Friends of Hebron have, have issued campaigns to call attention to Israel's political repression um, and, and of Asa of and, and advocate for the charges to be dropped. So in this event, Miko is going to be speaking with Asa one-on-one about, um, you know, the political pre persecution that he has faced, the charges that have been trumped up against him, and the invaluable work that is being done by, um, by himself and his grassroots group, Youth Against Settlements. So uh, thank you so much to Asa for making time for us today. We definitely appreciate it. I want to call everyone's attention to a petition um, that you all can sign um, by Friends of Hebron. Um, I'm going to put the link in the chat, but um, the, the link is www.friendsofhebron.com slash standwithisa. Uh, and I'm going to put that in the chat uh, a few times throughout the event. Um, so we ask that you all please sign it and share it widely. Um, and lastly, we live stream these events to Miko's Facebook page. So if you want to share this event with other people who didn't register, you can go ahead and let them do that. Just go to Miko Pellet's Facebook page. Very easy to find. And we'll also make this webinar available um, on YouTube, on Facebook, and via the Miko Pellet podcast um, in the coming days. Um, so the last thing is get your Q&As, um, get your questions into the Q&A button in the, in the Zoom tool at the bottom after, or I'm sorry, at any point during the event. And that should do it for me. I'm going to hand it over to Miko to get the, this conversation started. All right. Thank you, Jamil. And thank everybody for the, all the participants. And thank you, Aisa, for your uh, valuable time for spending this day, you know, this evening with us. Um, you know, we've known each other for quite some time, several years. We've been friends. Um, I visited you at Tel Romeda at the AS Center. We've done a few events together. Uh, I brought friends to come and hear you speak and get the tours that you provide, you and your people provide at Hebron. And really, I think that um, if I was to sum up my impression of the work that you do is 
basically with your own two hands, you are holding uh, much of the old city of Hebron, and particularly Tel Romeda, from, the, from being taken away to settlers. And just to give some context, Tel Romeda is an ancient, gorgeous, and strategically placed uh, hill overlooking the old city of Hebron. Settlers have taken over some of it. They want all of it. And then you did something that I don't think anybody in Palestine has ever done or is capable of doing. I think it's something that only you can do, and that is actually save a house on Tel Romeda from being taken over by settlers using nothing but the legal tools that are, were available to you. Uh, and it's your, I think, incredible uh, ability to understand the law and use the law uh, that actually saved that house and so far saving, saving that place. So before we get into the courts and to the long trial and the charges, if you could just give a little bit of background about you, about Terumeda, um, about Yas and the work that you do there. And if you would tell the story of how you saved that house, because I don't think there are any uh, stories like that in Palestine. And I think it's important for people to hear. Uh, thank you, Amiko, for organizing this uh... Uh, discussion. Uh, I am very proud of you as a friend and as a, an activist. And I, I, I remember when we did together a protest in Shahada Street selling vegetables uh, yeah. as part of Open Shahada Street campaign. Uh, I will uh, never forget uh, that uh, event and many other events we did together. I think we share a lot of uh, values, a lot of principles about how to end the Israeli occupation. And we share a lot of values and principles as human too. Uh, I'm very proud of your long-term uh, friendship. And uh, I, I thank you for what you do for Palestine and for the Palestinians. You are a true face of uh, uh, a real fighter against the Israeli occupation and the Israeli injustice and the Israeli apartheid uh, all over Palestine. I am a Palestinian, as uh, all Palestinians who resist the Israeli occupation. We Palestinians were born uh, to resist the Israeli occupation and to refuse and not to coexist with the occupation and try to uh, raise our voices against the injustice, the discrimination and the segregation. We are oppressed as Palestinians and that uh, is my main motivation. I'm a Palestinian who was born in the old city of Hebron it's not the old city, it's the city of Hebron, originally and historically and now. And we, we faced uh, displacement because of the Israeli occupation. And uh, the Israeli occupation doesn't stop. They continue working to displace Palestinians. Or let me use the international uh, definition of what the Israelis are doing in Hebron, in Jerusalem, and all over, we call it Area C. They are doing ethnic cleansing. They are taking the Palestinians away from their homes. They are trying to kill our Palestinian uh, identity. They, they, they make us stateless. They do everything bad to the Palestinians. So I was born in a family who lost a grandfather uh, by the military. My father was injured. So the family suffered a lot and they wanted me to grow up without any kind of uh, uh, friction with the occupation. But unfortunately, the occupation is in all uh, details of our life. Uh, I was a good student. Uh, I didn't go to school for a long time because of the Ibrahim Mosque massacre. That was uh, one of the main uh, lessons to me, how they justified killing us in the Ibrahim Mosque and then they closed the streets and the markets and they divided the mosque. So we were punished as, as, as victims. 
Then I went into the engineering college in, in Hebron in Palestine Polytechnic University as a student who was studying B and managed to be one of the good students in the, in the university at the end of my, my bachelor degree, the occupation closed my university. That made me crazy and that made me work very hard to reopen the university to get my degree. And that's what, what, that what, what made me an activist that I, I managed to reopen the university with other students after reading about uh, Martin Luther King, Gene Sharp books, uh, Mandela, all the nonviolence movements all over the world. That made me think that that is the best methodology to end the Israeli uh, occupation. Then I started uh, with other friends, uh, International Solidarity Movement in Hebron, and we started working against uh, the apartheid wall, uh, 2003, 2004, and then we found that the old city of Hebron is segregated, closed, separated. Uh, people are, are suffering a lot from the, the very right-wing uh, uh, Israeli uh, settlers who will supported by many American uh, Jews, uh, supported politically and supported uh, financially. Uh, we managed to start documenting the human rights violations using the video cameras to film the Israeli settlers and the soldiers and all the human rights violations. We did a great work and the idea was uh, adopted by B'Tselem and many other human rights organizations. And the idea was transferred to other cities and villages in over West Bank. Then 2007, uh, me, uh, I have an idea to start targeting Palestinian youth. So I talked to other friends and we started Youth Against Settlements, a Palestinian group who works to end the Israeli occupation and to end the Israeli segregation apartheid uh, and to uh, dismantle the Israeli illegal settlements in, uh, in Palestine. And in the same time, uh, we, we started doing some kind of advocacy, organizing tours to teach the public, the Palestinians about their rights, about their, their, their situation. And many people told us, you are, you are not going to achieve anything. Israelis will not listen. It's an impossible mission, but we managed to make uh, Hebron as uh, you know international, internationally, uh, uh, let me say, recognized as a city of apartheid, as a city of segregation and separation. And we managed to make, for example, uh, Open Shadow Street Week as a international week and even local week. We managed to. To, to, to bring the attention of the Palestinian people to, because it's not easy to bring the attention of the Palestinian people. At the same time, we started working to create facts on the ground. One of the main facts we did is our center in Tal Rumeda. Tal Rumeda is the historical city of Hebron, which was continuously inhabited for more than 6,000 years. And the Israeli settlers, they want to take over that hill to try to steal the history of that, that place. They just remember one small part or layer of history and they just ignore other parts and other layers of history. So a house was a Palestinian house from 2001 uh, to 2006. The Israeli army was in, in, in the house as the classical way of confiscation. All settlements or the majority of the settlements in West Bank was started uh, army first, settlers after, even during the, the left, parties in Israel, what it's called, the parties or the Lepar party, Kiryat Arba, one of the oldest settlements was started as a military camp. Now it's seven 
1,200 fanatic Israeli settlers living in that, that place. And now they are doing the same in uh, another settlement in the city. So they started the same, they started using the same methodology to take that Palestinian private house. So 2006, the army left. 2007, settlers moved in after one month. The army left, the settlers moved in as kind of coordination between the Israeli army and the Israeli settlers. It's about that they would do a cumulative work. Both of them each does something, you know, in, in against us as Palestinians. I noticed that and I talked to the owner of the house who was from Jerusalem and he owned the house and he had to leave the house with his family. And he told me it's very dangerous for a Palestinian family to live in that place. I told him, okay, I live and I stay there. So I rented the house from him and I went with a document, legal document to the house. I was arrested, detained, interrogated, intimidated, uh, detained many times by the Israeli army, Israeli police, even Baruch Marzel, who is very fanatic right-wing uh, American Israeli uh, Jewish uh, leader. And he wa he's the follower of Ma'ir Kahana. If you know who is Ma'ir Kahana, Kaykh movement, he stood in the house and told me that the Bible gave him that house. I told him that the Bible is not a registry land uh, property book to give you that house, it's mine. Uh, I spent six months uh, protesting outside, uh, I, you know, uh, coming into the house and, 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 and be detained by the army, being detained by the police. The police even called the owner of the house, the Palestinian owner, and he threatened him that he should not give me that house. But I insisted with the support of many other Palestinian and uh, Israeli and international friends, and we managed to take it. And uh, after starting a legal uh, procedures, they gave up in the middle, and then we, I occupied my place. You know, I had to come in on, 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 uh, uh, to surprise the army and the settlers when, with many, uh, around, we were 100 activists. We, I occupied my house, which, is recognized as my house, you know, after I got it from the Palestinian owner. Uh, army didn't give me protection, police didn't give me protection. The settlers attacked the house, attacked me, attacked my friends, attacked the activists many, many times without any kind of accountability. And the settlers till now, they attack us uh, day and night with full impunity. You know, we use the video camera as a, as a most trustful witness to protect ourselves first. Why? Because we as Palestinians, we are living under the Israeli military law, which means that we are completely without any rights. We are guilty by law till we are proving innocent. And the settlers who attack us, they are under the Israeli, uh, you know, civilian law. So when we say apartheid, they say, us, what kind of apartheid? Two sets of law in the same area. What is that? The Americans, they had that in the past, in the 50s. They had one law, you know, against the black people and one law for the white people. And you called it apartheid and you called it racism and you called you called it separation and segregation why you don't call it in palestine apartheid i am as a palestinian i don't have any rights to live so we managed to uh, protect and save that that house who is in a strategic position position and we stopped the expansion of the settlement uh, to connect the four settlements in hebron to each other to have a free arab zone so miko we don't only save the houses we reverse it it's not only a house, it's more than a house. It's a hub for the Palestinian nonviolent resistance in, 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 in South Mount, uh, in, in the south of West Bank. We have a lot of diplomats, they come to visit us. We have many American Jews, they come to visit us and see 
apartheid segregation and separation we have a lot of speeches there a lot of activities we do a lot of other activities we can talk about them later excellent thank you and i don't know if you noticed but you said uh that in the south here in the united states they had one law against the blacks and one laws for the whites and that's precisely the reality in Palestine. There's a law against the Palestinians, and then there are laws for the Jews, and that's exactly what the apartheid is. I don't know if you meant to say it that way, but it turned out precise, very, very, very accurate, actually. And uh, again, I'll say what I said earlier. When we made the flyer, I don't know if you noticed, the bottom of the flyer is the view, this absolutely magnificent view of the old city of Hebron from Tel Rumeda, where the, where the youth against center, uh, settlements uh, center that you built, that you created is. Um, and it's just one of those places that you can sit all day and all night and just enjoy the view and see these remarkable ancient olive trees that have, you know, are, are really ancient. We're talking about thousands of years and, and historical archeological, uh, it's an important archeological site as well. So that, that spot, again, I, I love it. I think it's one of the most magnificent spots in Palestine. And um, every time, almost every time I've come to visit you, there's been one group or another or several groups, one after the other, that have come to hear you speak and then taken the tour. And the work you've done with, uh, you know, with the youth or, you know, with, their, with, with the cameras, you know, every, everybody's paying attention. And that's why we know what is happening in Hebron, because you've created this little, uh, you know, almost like an army of, of journalists who are out there reporting to the world because the rest of the world isn't reporting. Nobody else is reporting about the violence of the settlers and really the settlers in Hebron are probably the most violent, the most aggressive, the most uh, uh, racist group of, of, of people, certainly in Palestine and maybe even beyond. Now your, your, uh, your work is obviously respected and has resulted in, in a great deal of, uh, of, of attention from around the world, from supporters. You've, you've built a huge support network, which is really important. Um, and that is probably why you have been targeted by, by the Israelis. I mean, um, you've been arrested many, many times. You've been harassed, like you said, by, by the military. I know several, I mean, countless times the center has been, has been uh, invaded by soldiers and then where they go in and they ruin everything, destroy everything. And yet you continue. So talk a little bit, and you know, I'll just say the trial has been going on for a very long time. And I think I came twice. I went to two hearings with friends that came and wanted to see uh, to see you and to see what goes on in the military court. And I think kangaroo court doesn't even begin to describe what goes on in that courtroom. And again, the, the judge himself, of course, is a settler with with uh, with sympathy and ties to the settler community in Hebron. So uh, talk a little bit about your experience of being arrested about the length of the trial that has been going on now and uh, what are you expecting? Um, uh, Miko, if, if you want to make a change, if you want to make an enemy try to change something, and this is what I'm doing, me and many other Palestinians, and all the Palestinians who resist the Israeli occupation and even peacefully are targeted by the Israeli occupation. So I'm not the only Palestinian who is targeted, by, I'm, but I'm a simple of a Palestinian human rights defender and nonviolence activist activist who, who's, who was targeted by the Israeli occupation and by the Israeli settlers and by, by their uh, subcontractor. You know, they try uh, all their best to stop you, to, to isolate you, to separate you from your community, to destroy your group. Uh, me, I, I, they started arresting me 
maybe 20 times a year, 25 times a year, arrest, detention, because I am under the Israeli military law. I'm not allowed to practice my nonviolence resistance. According to the military law, we are not allowed to have a, a, a gathering with more than 10 uh, in a meeting. So peaceful protesting is not allowed by the military law. So this is something very important. And by the military law, I'm guilty till I'm proving innocent. So all my arrests on my life, I never been convicted. All my arrests in my life was about my civil disobedience, which is not allowed. And it's one year to 10 years in jail, according to the military law, uh, because of my nonviolence protesting of rallies, uh, because of saying no to the Israeli soldiers. I'm not allowed to say no. I'm not allowed to tell my opinion. I'm not allowed even to say, why you do that to me? I should not say that. One of the accusations that I said, don't arrest me, this is illegal. This is something crazy. And in the, in the military court, we'll talk about it later, but they started, you know, uh, attacking me physically. I was beaten many times by Israeli settlers. I got five stitches in my head, three stitches. I, my, nose, my nose was broken. I got hit all over my body. I have a permanent uh, physical problem in my back because of one of the soldiers hit me with a gun. So they did everything possible. They, they, sh they threatened me to shoot me many times. I was detained, tortured, mistreated in the Israeli military detention centers. Everything bad possible to do to a human being, they did it to me. It didn't work. I continued because of the continuous support from you, Miko, and many other friends who give me emotional power and they give me a really uh, motivation to continue. It didn't work with them. They started a smear campaign against me. They didn't work with them. They asked the Palestinian Authority to make my life harder and harder. They didn't work with them. And they even started threatening international organizations uh, not to meet me, to meet my group, to meet our, you know, you know, they tried everything until they, they said that uh, they should go to court. And they opened uh, 18 military charges. I was arrested many, many times, false arrest. But according to the military system, it's an arrest. It's a detention. I'm a, ter a terrorist according to the Israeli military system. We as Palestinians, we are all labeled as terrorists, even if we believe in a pure nonviolence resistance against the Israeli occupation. You are labeled as a terrorist. So they opened the file with 18 military charges. One of them was from 2010, and they opened my, my, my file 2016 after organizing a, a, a protest in Hebron to open a cinema. We wanted to open a community cinema in Hebron. So we create, fakes in the, uh, we, we, we create facts in the ground peacefully. So a Palestinian owner gave us his, his own closed factory by the Israeli military. And we wanted to make that closed uh, factory as a cinema for the Palestinians in Hebron. The army didn't like it. The settlers didn't like it. I'm equal. Many times I was arrested just to make the settlers satisfied and happy. They used to take me a few hours to make the settlers celebrate, sing. And one time the, the Israeli army came to the uh, Tal Rumeda Yas Center and our house in Tal Rumeda, and I was handcuffed, blindfolded. And they took me in a tour, and they were singing, uh, Golani is the best uh, army unit. Settlers climbing, singing to them. They took me in a tour like that, humiliation. And then after a few hours, they released me after they pleased the settler, and they just rejoiced them. They, they felt that they have the, 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 that they are just, you know, they have the power 
and they have the you know that they they can do whatever they want to me and to uh, many other Palestinians. The occupation made them sick from inside, and unfortunately, the the law gives them everything they they want. So they they just uh, opened uh, 18 military charges, and they kept going to the military court. It's a kind of torture to me. It's not a court. We can't call it a court. Court means justice, means judges, persecution, equal rights, that you are not guilty. No. I know from the first moment they took me to court that I am convicted. Why? Because in the military court, which is part of the military system, and it's it's there to keep the occupation. It's not there to punish criminals or to keep peace. Or, no, the military court is there to protect the occupation. It's the main tool to punish the Palestinians, not to resist the occupation. We are not talking about violence. We are not talking about, about anything else. This is the military court. The judge is a settler, and uh, he speaks English fluently. I think he's, he's, he's American, too. The persecutor, the persecutor is a settler. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the leader and the founder of Youth Against Settlements. So how it works that, you know, that they, they both of them are the ones who will decide about my, 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 my charges. And, and the hardest question in the military court when I testified, Miko, was, Isa, you are the founder of Youth Against Settlements, yes or no? I don't say yes, I can't say yes. I say, yeah, I don't know, I, you know, this kind of answers because it's not justice. I can't, I can't say yes because it's from one year to 10 years in jail. He told me, Isa, number, uh, your charter in Youth Against Settlement, uh, number two, it says that you are calling for peaceful civil disobedience against the Israeli occupation. From inside me, I'm very proud of that, that I'm calling for civil disobedience. All Americans, they have that. Many, many people in the world, it's part of their principles and morals to keep non-violent, peaceful, civil disobedience to, to achieve their goals and causes. Me as a Palestinian, I'm, I don't have that right to say it yes in front of the judge. So I said, I don't remember maybe the translation, so I, I felt a little bit, uh, you know, hurt that because in one hand I believe in, in civil disobedience and my, my main dream to see my people really massively participating in the Palestinian civil disobedience against the Israeli occupation. In the other hand, I, I was not able to say it because it's occupation; it's not justice, and I'm not equal with the Israeli. With my, my testimony is not equal with the soldiers who were lying. Imagine that they brought soldiers 2018, 2019 to speak about 2010. Imagine that, who remembers what happened 2010, 2012, 2013, and open, open lies, completely lies, a lot of false testimonies, even it's, a, it's not justice, it's not a fair, uh, uh, you know, trial with, uh, you know, 70, 97.5, conviction rate in the military court, even the soldiers lie and the commanders lie. And they brought, I don't know how many uh, witnesses, but at least 30 against me. And they, they acquitted two charges because the, the, the witness who against me, you know, he's a settler, you know, the spokesperson of the settler in Hebrew didn't come for maybe three or four uh, hearings. And I was going and he was not coming because he lied about me because he claimed that I attacked him. I broke his camera. When I was in the police station arrested, 
So when the police asked me 2013 about that action, I told them what time it happened. They told me 12 o'clock. I told them I'm here since 11. How come I did it when I am in jail? But they, they kept, uh, you know, they kept it in my file and they, they used it against me. And if he came, he would say, yes, he did it, Isa. They may convict me as they did with many other Palestinians. I know many other Palestinians. They were convicted about many things they didn't do. Why? Because the military system, the judge is a military commander and the persecution is a military commander and the witnesses are military commanders and, and the court itself, it's about destroying the Palestinian dignity and the, not to keep us you know, with any kind of resistance. Yeah, and I like I said, I, I saw, I, I remember the, I remember being there, and 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 the and everybody waiting for this uh, Satra to come and, and testify, and again and again and again, and he wasn't coming. And I also remember seeing the soldiers being questions about things that happened years before, and they they had no, they could not possibly remember what what in the world was going on. Um, again, like I said, the, the the calling it a kangaroo court is 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 not even sufficient to describe what goes on. And I mean, people, you have to see it to believe. Uh, what goes on, and like you said, you know the. Um, I think one of the important things that has taken place in the courts is every time I've been there, there have always been representatives from uh, from the consul general offices of, of other countries and, and and activists and then people from the United Nations and so forth, who are there to uh, to observe what they what they were doing to you, and it's important that they see. Uh, what happens in in these courts? Can you talk a little bit more about the actual accusations? I remember you sent me a list before. I was looking for it. I couldn't find it. But you sent me an actual list of the of of the charges, and it's the most ridiculous. To call them charges is is absolutely ridiculous. You know, it it, it just the, the the you don't know if to laugh or to cry that actually these kinds of things are being brought to court, and considering just how important the work that you do is and how crucial it is and how, what enormous impact you have both in Hebron um, and to the larger issue of Palestine, of course, and, and people are realizing around the world that you do important work. I mean, you have access to, you, you've gained access because of, because of the way you do things and because of your work that very few people have. And so to compare what you actually do, just the weight and the breadth of the work that you do to these ridiculous, petty, small accusations by the military, and then that they actually turn this into a, take this to court. Can you describe some of the charges just so the listener people have an idea of, of just how ridiculous this is? Because we're not even talking about anything that's remotely, remotely uh, illegal in, 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 any, in any kind of sense or should be considered illegal in any kind of sense. If I am an activist in, in, in the United States, I think even the right wing in America will respect my work because I'm calling for, uh, you know, uh, Palestinian nonviolence resistance against the Israeli occupation. I never been convicted of uh, supporting violence. I just, or even I don't support any kind of other, uh, I understand other kind of resistance, but me personally, Isa, I advocate for nonviolence resistance. I will tell you the stories. I will never, I will never forget what happened to me, you know, Isa. 2010, Israeli settlers were attacking a Palestinian house. They were throwing stones and they tried to break into the Palestinian house. I was working in B'Tselem as the camera distribution project coordinator. 
So I was there. It was around 12 uh, midnight. And it's not easy for someone to be in the midnight in the street observing the settlers' violence. So I called the Israeli police, me, Isa. I called the police. I told them Israeli settlers are attacking Palestinian uh, house, throwing stones, trying to break in with their, they are armed. And I stood in front of the house to film them, document the settlers doing what they were doing. So the Israeli uh, settlers threw stones toward me and toward the Palestinian family. And they came very close to the Palestinian house where uh, they don't have any kind of, uh, they don't have any work there, the settlers. Uh, it was a, the, the house was very close to an illegal outpost in Hebron. Uh, when the army came and the Israeli border police came, for sure they don't arrest the settlers, so they arrest Palestinians. So I started filming both. In the same time, you know, a, a settler, a private uh, security guard, did, he's, he's, he's one of the famous security guards in Kiryat Arba. Why he's famous? Because he was one of the leaders of the Israeli soldiers. He was an ex-soldier who led the movement to refuse the disengagement from Gaza. Imagine that his history was to refuse the Ariel Sharon orders to do this disengagement from Gaza. So this kind of mentality, he came towards me and slapped me when I was filming. Then an army commander and border police commander he wanted to use me as a human shield to, to, to push the Palestinians get into their home and not to defend their home. I was only filming and I, the Palestinians, for sure they respect me, but I'm not a tool in the Israeli military uh, soldiers uh, at all. I don't listen to them. So I was arrested, beaten, mistreated in the military jeep, mistreated in the police station. Because of that, they accused me of incitement. They accused me of not uh, following the uh, orders. They accused me of attacking that uh, settler who attacked me. And they accused me of organizing an, an illegal rally. This is 2010. Other charges, uh, around maybe four or five, uh, participating in an illegal rally, which means that a peaceful protest. Uh, organizing uh, a peaceful, you know, a protest, which is illegal because all protests are illegal. Uh, so that that mainly, you know, uh, insulting an Israeli soldier, obstructing an Israeli soldier, being in a closed military zone. In Tel Romeo, that's a closed military zone. So what what is, uh, you know, com you know, illegal and legal? You don't know. So it's all this kind of uh, uh, because you know the army can arrest you anytime. Uh, and say that you are where you were in a closed military zone. So you are you uh, uh, you were an obstacle of the soldier work, which is completely the opposite. They are the ones who 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 let me say violate the international law and our rights as Palestinians. At the same time, and one of the famous uh, let me say action we did 2013 when Obama visited uh, you know the region. Palestine and Israel, we wanted Obama to come and see the real apartheid in Hebrew. So me personally, I wrote letters to invite him to come and see, because I don't want him to listen to the leaders. I want him to listen to the people. I wanted Obama, who was one of my heroes as a black president, because the, the civil rights movement made him 
president and without the civil rights movement, I don't think he is a president or have an equal right uh, theoretically now in the United States. So we wanted him, this president to come and see uh, apartheid. He didn't come, so we wanted to bring it in our way. So we had masks of Martin Luther King and Obama, Obama's mask and Martin, when we marched in Shohada Street. I was arrested, mistreated, me and other friends who were in the protest, uh, Palestinians and Israelis and internationals, and they had four charges because of that. The charges, Miko, organizing illegal action, you know, imagine that organizing a mask, uh, you know, of Obama and Martin Luther King and march peacefully in the street with a Palestinian flag, that is an illegal gathering organizing or participating. So it's not only organizing or participating, both of them are not allowed. They accused me of incitement. They accused me of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, insulting an Israeli uh, soldier, despite that I have videos that I was attacked by the Israeli settlers physically and I was mistreated by the Israeli soldiers physically too, without me pushing back or hitting or, or doing anything illegal in that in that point where we we do so they they did illegal gathering as an organizer participator uh, incitement which is one year to ten years in jail according to the military law and being in a closed military zone where it's closed military zone you don't know where it's closed or where it's open to walk or you know the streets in Hebron are closed we have eighteen hundred shops closed. We have 22 checkpoints, we have 100 movement barriers, we have 1,000 Palestinian apartments became empty. They don't have signs where it's allowed or where it's not allowed, but if they want to put you in jail, they can find uh, a reason. That is the, 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 the charges. It's all about my nonviolence, peaceful activities. And I don't think they can, no one of them is, you know, is, is about violence or what they call violence. Yeah, you know, I'm looking through the. I, I found the, the the sheet with your indictment, with your with the charges. Uh, one of the things I'm noticing, the name of Yusuf Nasruddin, who was uh, who actually arrested me once as well. He's a well-known sadistic, lunatic uh, officer in the uh, border police, um, and he's been all over the West Bank uh, doing terrible, terrible things. And he also testified. I've I've seen him testify in my in my trial. And he has no problem standing and lying for half an hour, telling lies and making up stories. Uh, and it's indicative of how the system works. Um, and again, just, again, I, I, the, the thing, you know, I'm trying to do is, is, is give, give people the, 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 you know, so that they can understand just absolutely how, how uh, oppressive the regime is uh, that you have to live under in, in Hebron. And also the, how ridiculous it is that they're making these charges against you. You mentioned earlier the one action that we did when I visited you with Veterans for Peace. You know, we stood in Shuhada Street, which, as you said, has been closed, and all these, you know, countless shops, you know, have been forced to close down. It became what used to be a main thoroughfare, a main business, you know, avenue is now, you know, a ghost town. And we stood there with vegetables as though we were selling vegetables you know, with cauliflower and God knows what else, tomatoes. And it was quite funny, actually. And I don't know, I think it took less than 10 minutes, six, seven minutes, and you thought they found a nuclear bomb there. They had the police, they had the settler security people, and they had special forces and God knows what paratroopers 
I don't know, maybe a hundred. It was insane. It was absolutely lunatic. And there were maybe how many of us, maybe 10 or 12 of us standing with cauliflower and cabbage. And the response is absolutely so violent and, the, the, and so overwhelming and so out of proportion um, to that small you know, action that really, it makes absolutely no sense other than their absolute need to make sure that anything you do, they overpower. They need to overpower every step you take, every breath you take, uh, every action, every thought you might have. Um, and I think understanding that does, is, is crucial because it just shows what it, gets, what it is that you're facing. You know, the, this violent oppression that you're facing, which sometimes I think gets lost where, because people, you know, they see you, you, I mean, you speak well, you look, you know what I mean? And then, then, then they think now that they don't understand just, just how violent and how oppressive the reality that you are, that you are trying to resist. And you go through the list of the accusations, you look through the list of the charges, and it's like a textbook of, um, of, 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 like you said, of civil disobedience. And, 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 you know, that's all it is. It is textbook civil disobedience. And of course, like you said, being a Palestinian, you are guilty and you're never going to be proven innocent anyway. So it's, it's not even, you don't even have to finish the sentence. Um, what are you, what are you, what, what are your thoughts about when the verdict might come? When the judge, I mean, obviously it's probably a political decision. I'm sure there's a lot of politics going in. It's not just a judge. I'm guessing it's not just a judge decision. He's being told what to do by people in the political arena because your existence there is a political issue. Obviously it's a political trial. Um, when do you think you might hear and what, give people an idea, what, what, what's the worst case scenario, best case scenario, what's a realistic expectation? Yes, uh, the, the, they kept, when they saw that there is a, you know, a lot of attention from diplomats, Congress, Bernie Sanders, many, many supporters all over the world, many, many human rights organizations, and they used me as a symbol of, uh, you know, going after the Palestinian human rights defenders and Palestinian non-violence resistance. And the Congress wrote one of, one of the, their first letters pro-Palestinians. Uh, they kept prolonging to make people forget about it. And me, from the beginning, you know, it was about, you know, using it as, as, as part of my struggle against the Israeli occupation. Uh, to go to the court and, and suffer a lot in the court, it, for me, it was about a challenge and confrontation of the military system, but not in the field, but in their offices and their, and their court. And I wanted to tell the world that you are asking the Palestinians to use non-violence resistance. We do. So we want your protection now when we use non-violence resistance. So it's not about me. It's about other people who see me as a hero of using non-violence resistance, which is now have a consensus among Palestinians. To, and they used it, the right of, the right of uh, retained marches in Gaza, non-violence resistance in Jerusalem against the metal detectors. Thousands of people, they were only praying Nico. And they were attacked, they were uh, evicted, they were mistreated. Because Israel doesn't want to show its aggression against the Palestinians. They, they try to play democracy and human rights. In the other hand, they are, you know, they are evil. And they are just doing a lot of bad things, hidden by their security uh, forces, their army, everything, even inside uh, 48. So... They kept prolonging 
and making it harder for me. It's kind of torture to me because I'm always thinking about it. I have a nightmare about it. I don't know what is the end of, uh, of it. Uh, my lawyer told me two weeks ago that even they are using uh, uh, something new against me, something about that, even saying no to the soldier. No is an insult to the soldier, even if the soldier told you something illegal. That was not the case because, you know, if I say no to the soldier, when he says something illegal according to the military system, I'm allowed. But now he's using uh, something new in the military system that even saying no to the soldier, when he says something illegal according to the system is insult to the Israeli soldier. And it's, it's a big deal. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking that the, the verdict will be very soon. Uh, the persecution asked uh, to convict me with the 16 military charges. And uh, they wrote 100 pages, a lot, a lot, you know, a lot of explanation and, uh, you know, reasons to keep me in jail and, and, and punish me. My lawyer, Gabby Lasky, I sent her my respect and my love, and she's one of the best uh, defenders, and she's one of the people who works day and night against the occupation. She wrote around 130 pages as a reply to their 100 pages. But it's not about court, it's not about legal system. For me, it's not about that at all. I know I'm convicted, uh, but it's about the sentence. So I am sure that I will be convicted by the majority of the charges, charges because it's my testimony against the soldier's testimony. Many charges I had videos to prove, but they don't take it in consideration usually. And I think it's about, uh, you know, uh, restricting my ability to go forward with what I'm doing and what is Yas doing and what Palestinian and Hebron are doing against the Israeli settlers' oppression. So till the end of this month, this is what I, I think. And they want to use the holidays for sure. This is something very important. The holidays and the COVID-19 and the transmission between Trump and Biden, because they want the, the, the world to be busy to to make their decision we will appeal it for sure we will appeal the decision not we will appeal it i will challenge it and i will confront it and i will make it i will make it costly i will make them going after a human rights defender costly to the occupation i have a lot in my mind what to do and how to react to their uh, sentence but i want my friends i want everybody in the world to use my case as a case of showing the reality of the occupation, showing the reality of the apartheid, showing the reality of the, what is called court in Israel. What, what, is, what, what is your sense is the worst case scenario, best case scenario in terms of the sentence? What kind of sentence would be the worst case scenario? What kind of sentence would be the best case scenario? Obviously the best they, case they scenario were, that they don't, that they drop the charges, but yeah. I have, I have 16 military charges now. If they convict me with, 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 with 10, and uh, let me say they want to give me three months each, so about a few years in jail, two to three years in jail, or they, they, they will uh, understand the international pressure and they just reduce it to one year, six months, or uh, maybe big fine, uh, I don't know exactly. It's about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confronting the sentence not the, I, I know that I will be convicted and uh, uh, because it's 90, 97 point, 99.7. Yeah, it's actually more than that. It's, yeah, it's 90, it's 99.7 actually. 
I yeah. checked because I know what you were saying. It's 9374, yeah, 7374 yeah. conviction rate. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, you know, this is, this is, um, this is a political trial. You're a political uh, figure. Um, you do incredible work as a, as a human rights defender, as a, as a, as a uh, human rights activist and, and grassroots activist, but really it's about the politics in Hebron. And and you're and you're interfering in their in their plan to to take over Hebron, and again the part of Hebron that you are involved with, you know the settlers are just you know they they can't wait to get it number one because it's so beautiful it's so historic it's historically significant it's a strategic spot, um, and you're in the way. So uh, what can people do? I mean we have the petition up. People can sign the petition. But people, if a lot of people are going to want to do more. I mean, keeping you uh, or at least demonstrating support for you is, is, is crucially important because of you personally and also because of what you represent as a Palestinian and, and the st Palestinian struggle. So what, um, what can people do other than just sign the petition? And again, I'll just say I understand the petition is actually is actually targeting the UN General Secretary, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, and the EU representative. I, I want the people to, to know that Palestinians will not give up their rights. Me personally, I will not stop resisting the Israeli occupation. I think I was born to resist. Uh, I will never coexist with the Israeli occupation. I want, I want them not to lose hope uh, on uh, the Palestinian cause, because I see many people think uh, after Mr. 45, uh, big damage to the Palestinian cause, that they think that uh, we are losing. We are not losing and we will never lose. We will keep fighting, uh, resisting the Israeli occupation. And this is what I want them to do. I want them first to believe in themselves. And I want to thank them for what, uh, what they are doing in their, in their countries for Palestine and for the Palestinians, because they are doing it for uh, a valid cause and for for uh, really uh, for the history and they, they they are writing their names in the defender list. I want them to keep writing about Palestine and to be very creative about how to increase the cost of the Israeli occupation, increasing the cost economically, politically. Uh, let me say uh, even in their community and their uh, synagogues, so to keep uh, increasing awareness, not to stop uh, or give up about increasing the awareness about what is happening in Palestine and about the occupation, all of that, and to write to their uh, lawmakers and to the stakeholders and to send their celebrities to us, to Palestine. I want my American friends, I met Bernie Sanders and he promised me that he will visit Palestine. I want Bernie Sanders if I am in jail or not, to come and visit Hebron and see apartheid and talk about apartheid. This is one of the missions we should start working from now on, bring Bernie Sanders and other celebrities in the United States and to show them the reality of the occupation. I, I want uh, people to write to the media, to observe the media, what the media is writing is very important because we don't exist in the mainstream media. So please keep writing to the editors and to the, to the show organizers, all of them, to tell them that Palestinians should have a voice, to post the voices of the Palestinian people. Miko's uh, your interview and your meeting tonight is great, so 
other meetings as, as this meeting with me, with many other Palestinian human rights defenders will give us hope and we feel that we are protected and we are not alone in the field. This is something very important. So some people think that protesting in the, in the field or organizing an action with a small number doesn't make a difference. No, it makes difference to me, to Isa, to my people, that we exist and our cause is completely alive till now. So I want people to do all this kind of uh, 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 creative actions to make the occupation costly and to make the occupation really more expensive for the occupiers and for the uh, uh, supporter of the occupation. The settlers in Hebron collected a lot of money in the last two, three months from the United States. Hebron fund got one million point something dollar in in few days to support the, the settlers in him. Target Hebron fund, target anybody is giving money to the Israeli settlers in Hebron. Think about how to make them ashamed of giving their money to contribute to the restrictions on my life, to the occupation, to the apartheid, to the segregation and separation. And don't give us hope. Keep going. What are you doing? And thank you very much. What are you doing? We notice what are you doing? And it's not easy. It's hard. We are one, uh, you know, you know, one, one partner to, to make the change. And they see it very close to happen because we have many people in the world supporting us, but it's about how to break the ice to make the occupation costly and more expensive. You know, it's interesting. You you mentioned uh, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I saw him one time when I was in, uh, at the, you know, in Congress and I wanted to say hi and, you know, take a picture and I always wear this. So he was trying to avoid me. And then I said, oh, but I know uh, Issa Ambro. <laughs> and so then he stopped. And when I mentioned Issa Ambro, he was willing to stand and take a picture with me. You know, he gave us a moment where he was kind of, he stopped running. So that's the kind of influence you have even in Washington, D.C. But, uh, you know, I have to say this. People always say, well, where is the Palestinian Martin Luther King? Where is the Palestinian, uh, you know, Gandhi? Where is the Palestinian Nelson Mandela? Um, and, and I, you know, I, I have several friends, as you know, who are like you, in, incredible activists, incredible leaders. And um, if they allow you to, they allow you to end up going to jail, and then they still ask, well, where is the Martin Luther King? Where is the Palestinian? Well, here is one right here. We were talking to one of them, you know, and I'm, you'll agree with me. I'm sure there, 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 there's more than one Palestinians who are, who qualify to be called, you know, Martin Luther King or Mandela who are fighting using uh, civil disobedience to, to fight the oppression. And it's crucial that we do everything we can and that everybody on the outside does everything they can so, uh, as not to, so that you do not go to jail. Um, and I... Not just me, but of course, I personally, besides the politics, uh, it, it would be terrible to think of you in jail. Um, but if you do, if that does happen and you are convicted and sent to prison, what can people do if that does happen? Is there anything they can do more if that does happen? Or just If more I go to prison, I have a plan. If I go to prison, you will know about it when it happens. Okay. And then you will know. By, I will tell you for sure, but I will not uh, speak in public about it. So we will have a plan and we want the people to follow that uh, plan uh, together to make the occupation costly for the occupiers. If I'm in jail or outside jail, I will keep resisting. I will not stop. This is something very important. And uh, I want everybody to, to be sure that uh, the occupation is afraid of nonviolent resistance and is afraid of any kind of uh, 
uh, you know, uh, massive disobedience, civil disobedience in Palestine, a massive participation. So they work hard to destroy us before we become, uh, uh, to have that big influence, uh, you know, on our community. So they destroy you by smearing campaigns, by destroying your image, by punishing the people who are with you, by sp spreading rumors against you, by humiliating you. So the occupation is very smart. They don't want any any new Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Mandela in Palestine. And for sure, we have Marwan Barghouti in jail. He's one of the Mandelas too. So it's not only Isa Amro and our type of resistance is Mandela. No, we have many other Palestinian prisoners who are paying very high price for resisting the occupation. So this is something very important to 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 speak about and 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 talk about. This is something important that Palestinians have many many leaders, and they they are capable to be uh, as Martin Luther King. It's not only me, but it's about that you, our supporters, to keep supporting the Palestinian cause and make the occupation uh, costly. We have the petition and uh, friends of Hebrew website. Uh, you can do a kind of call to Congress and make them sign letters. It's not about me. It's about telling them that. Israel, who you give $3.8 billion per year, is using this money to put me in jail, you know, to put Isa, human rights defender, recognized by the State Department, and recognized by the State Department as a human rights defender. And even the American consulate, they saw what it means, uh, not a, a fair trial, and, you know, uh, about the military system. They know, well, your, 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 your State Department know, uh, knows very well about how the military court uh, functions, especially for the kids. The Palestinian children are persecuted in this court too, who are 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old. Imagine that this, this kind of thing. So write letters, write uh, 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 you know, uh, petitions, sign, do everything possible to make the occupation costly. This is what I tell you. I don't like to tell you people what to do exactly. I like the people to be creative with their actions and to be uh, with all other uh, organizations. You know, you have a lot of organizations in the United States who are doing amazing work for Palestine. So be behind them, even if you don't agree 100% with them, 50% is enough, 60% is enough. So support them and work with them. And we are not angels as, as people, as human, we do mistakes. So please be united with each other, don't fight, don't have, don't, don't try to focus on what is not common. Try to be united. This is what I try to do in my life, to be united and to find what is in common with, between me and between other uh, people, even if we disagree about uh, how to reach uh, freedom and how to end the, the occupation. But we all in the same boat uh, and we all resist the occupation. And I think one day we will all celebrate uh, in Hebron, in Jerusalem, all over Palestine, uh, celebrate the justice and freedom and equality for everybody in this region. I think uh, you, the, the message you just sent about, you know, don't worry about agreeing 100%, but working together uh, is, 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 a, is a very, very important message because that's exactly what happens. People don't agree on precisely this nuance or that nuance, and that's it. They become enemies. And it's crucial that we create a coalition so that we can work and, and actually see the, the Palestine liberated. You touched on something. I'm gonna usually I'll ask Jamil to uh, hop in and do the Q and A at this point. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it myself just this time. Um, 
that you're a father and uh, you mentioned that this is happening to children as well. Can you talk about this, the impact of this violence, this, this tension that exists, um, arrests of, of fathers like yourself, arrests of children, uh, people being killed by the military, and, and everybody can see this in Hebron, the impact that this has on just our people, women, children, people who have to try to live a normal life, what kind of impact does this have on them? I want to mention our spokesperson, Mohammed Zghayer, who is the spokesperson, the Arabic spokesperson, who is in jail in administrative detention since uh, eight months. Uh, I am in touch with his family. His family was left without any source of income. His children are, who are between one year and a half, three years and six years old, they are uh, asking about their father all the time. Where is my father? Why he's detained? He's not uh, a bad person. He, he's do he was doing a great job for Palestine. Why did they did that to him? So Palestinian families, they are really suffering a lot of the way they humiliate the, the parents. And they kill the, 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 the image of, uh, the, the, you know, and the, the power of a parent, of a father in front of his children in the way they humiliate the, the, the father. And the, uh, I was with my, my little kid, I'm a single father, and I wanted to show him my, where I was born. Uh, it was two months ago. A soldier came toward us and pointed the gun to shoot me and to shoot the son. So I told him, you know, put the put the gun down. We are not uh, coming to attack you. We are allowed to be here. But the soldier and his even commander backed up him uh, for, uh, you know, pointing the gun on a child who's nine years old. And it's happening all the time for the Palestinian kids. I will mention this. I don't like to mention it, Miko, but you made me remember. When I was arrested in 2013, it was one of the worst arrests in my life. In spite that, I was arrested many, many, many times, okay? Humiliated, tortured. But that arrest was really one of the worst arrests. Why? Because when I was arrested, I reached the police station around 11 a.m., I was chilled. I, I found children in the military detention center. They were arrested around 7.30 a.m. When they, when, they, when they were in their way to school, they were 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old, without food, without water, handcuffed, blindfolded, and without even, even being able to go to the restroom. Imagine that a child was not able to go to the restroom for a few hours. So the children talked to me. I, I had to shout and scream in the police station to bring high commanders to let the kids go to the restroom, to have food, to have water. And then they interrogated them. And unfortunately, the police, was, the police interrogator was asking each one of them, did you throw stones? The kid says no. And he, he says, if you want to go to your mother or see your mother, for sure, without a company, without a lawyer, without the parents' presence, so alone, they took them to the police investigation alone, without an adult presence from their family. If you want to go to your family to, so, to see your mother, you should say yes. You threw one stone. Six of them said that day, 
And I was asking one by one after they leave the office of the investigator, did you say that you throw stones? And, and six of them said, yes, we said, but you didn't. They said, we didn't, but he said, if you say yes, we will go home and we want to go home. And he said yes to the investigator. One of them, they were seven, who was 13 and told me, Isa, I didn't throw stones. I didn't say yes. I told him, why? But I know you, you throw stones. He said, yes, I throw stones. But when I went to the investigation office, I said, no, because last time he lied about me and he put me in jail. And this time I'm throwing stones. And I'm, I'm the one who's throwing stones. I'm the one who will go to home. So that kid, he went home. Six kids who didn't throw stones went with us to the detention center. This is not the worst part of it. The worst part of it, two, two parts were really the worst part. So when they started taking us to the detention center after they decided, one of them started crying to me to let him speak to his mother, but I'm detained too. So I can't help him, but he was pleasing me to speak to the officers, to let him speak to his mother. For sure they refused. Then they took us uh, in a van. In the van, they, they asked you know, the kids to stay out, you know, in the back. And we were in front, me and another two friends, we were three. And the kid, and they take us to Gosh Sion Detention Center. It's a training military camp. They have a detention center there. It's one of the worst detention center. Dogs are parking, very, very dark. I know it by heart, I'm not afraid. But the kids were completely terrified. And, and they, they completely crying, crying. And one of them, I woke him up and he thought that I am his mother waking him up to go to the detention center. They let us come into the detention center because they were kids. They kept them outside all night detained there without any kind of parents, uh, food, uh, any kind of uh, uh, support. That is how they deal with the kids and how when we as parents go to jail, they, they see us as, uh, as, 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 as people who are really suffering and their family is suffering without any uh, real social security system for the prisoners because they are going after even the social security uh, you know, money which is given by the Palestinian Authority and Palestinian Authority is not paying their employees now money to give even the prisoners' family uh, money to survive. So the, a family without a father is, or a mother who is in jail, because we have around 40 Palestinian women in jail, too, is a, is a family who is really suffering a lot from the Israeli occupation. Their kids, for sure, will pay very high price because we live in, in a family where they depend a lot on the parents. They depend a lot on the parents to face everything happening around them. But the occupation knows that. They want to destroy all, all structures in the community. They want to make us, to make our kids uh, without education. They don't want us to be educated. They don't want us to be smart or to, you know, to raise our kids in a way to, to, to really make a, a huge difference. They want to suppress the kids from childhood, to terrify them, and to make them feel the presence of the army from childhood. And um, since you mentioned that, I'll, 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 sh I'll give a shout out to a campaign called No Way to Treat a Child. Um, and maybe Jamil can throw uh, the link on the, in the chat. Um, but it's, a, it's, a very, it's an excellent campaign and it, and it has all the details um, about, the, about, about what is happening, what, Israel, what Israeli occupation forces are doing to Palestinian children. And there's also information about Betty McCollum's um, um, bill, proposed bill, um, 
uh, that deals with that issue. So if you could put that out there, I think it's really, really important. So basically what you're describing, uh, Isa, is um, it's not just about the occupation, it's just about, it's, the occupation is not just about taking the land, but also creating fragmentation and destroying the society and just destroying the family, the Palestinian family as much as they can so that people like you cannot function, so that there is no resistance, so that there is no leadership, but to create a society where people are living in fear. And that's a horrible thing. People are asking here, a lot of, quite a few people are asking, in terms of the um, two things, the, the, the work that is being done on the outside by groups that support Palestine, groups that support you, um, and hopefully more will happen after we're, you know, after this conversation is over as a result of the, the, um, the petition that's out there. Do you see results of that work on the ground in your day-to-day -day work? Do you see results of pressure from the outside, of the support and solidarity from the outside in Hebron itself? Is there any impact on the settlers? And I'll just add one more thing before you answer that I think it was six months ago the Israeli government announced that they're building, uh, expanding the settlement into another part of the old city of Hebron and building um, <clears throat> massive amounts of, of, of apartments and housing for settlers in another part of, of the old city of Hebron so as to create this, you know, this, uh, this lock on the, on the Palestinians. So is there that kind of, is, do you see any, any, any impact at all from the work that's being done on the outside? Yes, for sure. I, me, Isa, I'm, I don't exist without your support. If I'm alone without your protection and your solidarity, they would be put me in jail or shoot me since long, long time. Me and many other Palestinians. So you give us protection and you give us visibility and you gave us a lot of uh, opportunities to talk and to speak loudly against the Israeli occupation. So you are doing a great work to make our cause survive and valid and going on in the world. So without your support, we don't exist on, on the ground. So your, your support, your help is making us survive and, and we, are very, we are much stronger on the field with your work. So you do amazing work to help us. And this one, on the other hand, the occupation is afraid of me because of my connection outside Palestine too, because they don't want any voice to speak against the occupation and have uh, listeners outside Palestine. They want to, uh, to be the only spokesperson, uh, the only speakers. Even they want to speak in behalf of us. They, they, I hear settlers say the Palestinians don't want freedom. The Palestinians want only jobs. This is even they want to speak in our behalf. So giving us and, 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 and doing all this kind of, uh, of work for us is really important. And, and it makes a huge difference. This one, on the other hand, you are making the occupation costly. You do an amazing work with your uh, boycott campaign. You are amazing doing um, amazing work with many other human rights organizations. And you're really making many, uh, uh, let me say, celebrities understand what is the situation in Palestine. And many people in the world, I see them, really, I see that, I feel that, that they are moving from pro-occupation to pro-justice and equality and it's slow, but we have people there. Now we have people saying they want to make the aid to Israel conditional. We never had that in the past. It's your work. It's not my work as Lisa alone. It's your work. It's Miko's work. It's everybody's work in the United States 
who are doing this kind of uh, work. So you do an amazing work. We feel it. And not only me, the Palestinian people in Hebron, the families, when I visit them, when I listen to them, they see we saw people showing solidarity on the United States, in Chicago, in New York, in, in, in London, in Brighton. The people feel that they are not alone. The victims, they want to see visibility. They want to see that they are not uh, alone in this struggle. So this is something very important, even you know, to show that there is something wrong for us as people who are resisting, for the families who are showing smooth and steadfastness, and for the occupiers to show their real image and to show their real you know, uh, human rights violation to embarrass them and to make them ashamed and to make their supporters ashamed. Without you, they will have much, much more supporters and we as activists will disappear. People are asking also about the, um, this very, very strange phenomena that so many of the settlers are actually Americans, all these fanatic Americans. And you mentioned the, the Ibrahimi mosque massacre, you know, the, the, the man who committed that horrible crime was an American doctor, Baruch Goldstein, who came to, to, uh, to Hebron. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, uh, it's, it's, it seems very, very strange that there's so many uh, settlers who are not even, they're not even Israeli. They were educated. They went to school here in America and they end up in this, uh, you know, terrorizing Palestinians in Hebron. Can you talk about that a little I, bit? I, yes, for sure. You know, the main figures in Hebron are, uh, are fortunately American uh, citizen, especially Baruch Goldstein, you mentioned, who did the Ibrahim Mosque massacre. Uh, Baruch Marzal, you know, he's, he's an American too, and he was born in Brooklyn. So they recruit all the hardcore uh, American criminals. The, the judge, the, way, excuse me, the judge, the judge in your court, I think, is an American too. The judge and the persecutor, I think, they're both, both Americans. Americans. Yes, yeah, they, they both have an American accent, yeah, uh, yeah. American accent. They come uh, to live in a welfare life uh, on the expense of our basic human rights. So they come from the United States to live in a free house, in a, uh, you know, a welfare life, well-supported, and they become leaders in Hebron and in Israel and all over. They have visitors, they have American visitors, they have American money, tax, uh, you know, they, you pay your tax to support the settlers in Hebron. So this kind of, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, American blind support to, to, to Israel and to the settlers in, in Hebron. And uh, the majority of the infrastructure is, is made by Hebron fund or by American donors. And between us, Miko, I see a lot of tours, a lot of tours. They come, they speak only English and American accent English, especially New York accent English. They, they come and show solidarity and to the settlers, you know, and they show them, you know, their, their generosity and how they support the, them as if the settlers in Hebron are the people who are bringing back Judaism from Hebron. This is something very important to say. We as Palestinians, we don't have any problem with our Jewish neighbors, with our Jewish friends all over the world. And I want all the Jews to come to visit Hebron, but as friends, as, as, as supporters, uh, uh, as people who, who believe in our rights, uh, but I don't want to see them as occupiers or as, uh, as, uh, as settlers or you know, people who are really supporting the, the system. This is the point. This is something very important to, to, to address, that they are from the United States, they have as a colony in Hebron, 
from United States. They recruit their own people, their own money, their own support from the United States. And the issue of money, I think you touched on it earlier. These, uh, the Hebron, I think it's called the Hebron Fund, right? And there are others, other NGOs that raise money here in the United States and they're exempt from paying taxes. And all that money goes to settlements like, like the community in Hebron and others, which are basically racist uh, colonies that are, that are, their entire existence is to terrorize and, and uh, Palestinians and make their life impossible. Um, I want to go one more time back to your case, Isa. And um, if you can talk again one more time, just to you know wrap it up, the work that you do, why you're targeted, and um, how can people specifically, what can people specifically do now, tomorrow, today? in order to support you with this case? Because this is now the issue that we want to highlight. So I think it'd be a good idea to wrap it up as we finish, if you could go back to that. Yes, I, I do uh, five main, main things. Uh, we do uh, direct uh, actions, protests, rallies against the occupation. We do a lot of uh, documentation, so we give the, the families, the kids, the women, uh, cameras to document the human rights violations, and we use that materials to protect them first and to increase awareness in the international community. We do a lot of uh, social work to support the Palestinian socially. Uh, we do tours, so you are all welcome to come and visit Palestine and visit Hebron, and we can organize a tour one day tour, half a day tour, two hours tour to see the real image of uh, occupation. And we, we have, uh, we, we established a kindergarten, facts in the ground. So a house we saved and we reversed it to be a kindergarten. We uh, established a women's center to help the Palestinian women and save a house and do all these kinds of things. We do uh, a lot of work with olive harvest campaigns. We do legal support and legal work for the Palestinian uh, families. Uh, we do advocacy. We go outside Palestine to talk to stakeholders, celebrities, you know, and we ask them to do actions in support of Palestine. And the occupation want sh to shut off our uh, voices by 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 targeting me and targeting other activists in Yas, in, in, in Palestine. I, in the court, I'm indicted with, uh, you know, with 16 military charges, few years in jail, in the worst case. Uh, I don't know if we do big campaigns, what the sentence uh, will be. I, I want the people, the American people to really work hard, not only the American people, all people who are, doing amazing work for Palestine, to stay active, to support the Palestinians, to, 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 to uh, uh, really give us more opportunities to, to, uh, to reach more audience, more people, uh, post our voices all over by media opportunities, uh, speaking opportunities, uh, organizing uh, speaking tours. This is something very important to make any kind of, uh, you know, to increase that cost of the occupation and make it more expensive economically and socially and, and politically. 
this is what I want people to do and to, to, to know that without them, we don't exist. That without you, we don't exist. With your support, we are much stronger. And our uh, if they target us, it means that we are much more uh, costly, you know, uh, you know, against the commission. That the commission will be higher price against, uh, uh, you know, if they attack us or put us in jail. And uh, to make them uh, not target any more uh, other Palestinian human rights defenders. And I think, you know, I would add to that, you know, let's hold accountable people like Bernie Sanders, who did talk about the need to condition aid to Israel with uh, Israel respecting human rights of Palestinians. I'll remind everybody again about uh, the bill. Uh, it's called HR 2407, Betty McCollum's bill, uh, talking about uh, no way to treat a child, the way uh, children are being treated by the Israeli occupation. Um, you know, some of, you know, many of the people we have in the audience are from the US, the UK, but some people are from other countries. So I would say whether your representatives or whether the, the, your leaders, the political leaders are uh, elected officials or unelected officials, regardless of what, I mean, uh, of where you may live, uh, I think it's important to pressure them in order to uh, to act, to write, and to demand that they apply pressure on the state of Israel um, in order to make sure that Asa does not go to jail and that other prisoners, political prisoners, uh, and people who are persecuted politically, like Asa, um, are free. So I think that's what we, that, 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 that would be our best shot, but to do it relentlessly and to do it every single day and to start today. Um, Asa, any other final thoughts before we go? I mean, you've been very generous with your time um, and I appreciate it. You do incredible work. I know you probably, usually when I see you, you're doing three interviews at the same time with three different telephones and, and, and then giving a lecture and then five people running around giving a tour and you're an incredibly busy, busy man. You don't waste any, any time. And, and, and you're, 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 uh, I think that the fact that you have the support that you do reflects that. Um, but any final one last thought before we, before we close, anything you want to tell people before we finish? I, I want to thank you, Miko, for your uh, great work. I want to thank uh, all the solidarity activists all over the world for what they are doing for Palestine. I think we all together, uh, we all together will make the occupation costly and make the occupiers suffer as they are making the Palestinian uh, suffering. I want you to keep your creative uh, ideas, your creative work against the occupation. Don't give up, keep uh, doing. Wait, what happened? I think we lost Isa. I think we lost him. At a, uh, he's out of the uh, the Zoom for some reason. Yeah, yeah. That timing. Oh, well, I'll just say that I'll I'll, I'll just um, I'll talk for a minute or two see if he comes back. But um, anybody who a lot of people are asking were asking about visiting. Well, I don't know about visiting if right now is is you know flying or travel international travel is possible. But um, visiting Hebron is is well worth it. It's a beautiful old city. Um, if you look at the flyer, you'll see the view from Tel Ramada, which is where Isa has its center and does most of his work. Um, and so I would highly recommend people do that. There he is. Isa is back. Are you back? I am back. Okay, yeah, good. Sorry. So you're, you're, you're in the middle of, of thanking everybody for helping out. Anything else you want to add? I, I want I want them to, uh, you know, to, to... The petition, which is in the Friends of uh, Hebron uh, website, 
I want them to try to organize media articles, to write in their social media, to write to reach celebrities about targeting Palestinian human rights defenders and about what is happening all over Palestine these days. Keep reminding the, the, the president-elect Biden that he should act against the occupation, not keep talking, blah, 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 without real concrete action against the occupation. Bernie Sanders campaigned to bring him to Hebron and see the real image of occupation. I want somebody to take that as an as the campaign and try to put pressure to to bring uh, Bernie Sanders to show the reality uh, on the ground and other American and uh, international celebrities all over the world. And uh, my 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 last sentence that without you we don't exist. Please keep doing what are you doing for Palestine and be more creative and make the occupation more costly and more expensive on the occupiers. The occupiers hate me, hate you, and that is what we want them to feel, that they should hate us because we are making them suffer from our uh, presence and from our great work in Palestine and outside Palestine. Yeah, and they uh, and they are they are really working, they're on the defensive now. There's no question that the pro-Israeli group, the Zionist groups are on uh, everywhere now on the defensive. Um, and, um, what you said earlier, I'll reiterate that um, when we are all able to visit Hebron freely, a free liberated Hebron and a free liberated Palestine and travel to Jerusalem and elsewhere, um, I think we will all be very pleased that we had a small part uh, to, to play in supporting you and supporting Palestine. So thank you once again, Isa, and good luck. We're all thinking about you. We're all there with you 100%, 110% with you and your work. I still hope that uh, something happens that you don't end up in jail. Um, so I'm gonna keep hoping that and thinking that. And uh, I wanna thank the audience and everybody for their questions and comments. And please share, this is going to be on my Facebook page. So please share it and please share the link uh, or the petition link and the words that Asa, Asa's uh, words about how we can support him and support Palestine. So once again, thank you. And uh, we'll talk soon, we'll see you soon. Ma Thank you, Miko. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.